Hey Super Friends, my name is Neil and welcome to this episode 77 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio, direct to your speakers. This week I am joined from the very outset by my very own boy wonder Martin. Say hello Martin. Hello Martin. How's Martin? I'm alright. Very good. Would you like to tell the listeners at home what we've got on uh, the menu for them this week? I've not asked you that for a long time. so I would not. Why not? Because I don't know. It's all a surprise. I've got a couple of news headlines to cover off this week, and then we are going to be chatting about Disney Plus's upcoming Star Wars series Andor, for which the embargo has literally just lifted as you are listening to this. And I'm also going to ask Boy Wonder what he thinks about the first handful of episodes of uh, HBO Max and now slash Sky TV's House of the Dragon. Before we kick off with the, the fun headlines, I'm going to talk a little bit about Geico News. So I've been chatting a lot about uh, what we're referring to on social media as hashtag Geico 10. And that is the celebrations of the 10th anniversary of the website, which if you haven't been there, why not? That's www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. It is turning 10 years old next July. I think it's week beginning July the 24th. The actual birthday itself is July the 26th. Why is that an important date, Marty? Uh, it's your birthday. Well done. I don't know why you had to think about the fact that it's also my birthday. So we are starting to think about plans and plans are starting to come together for the 10-year anniversary. One of the first things that we've done is we have dipped back into all of the archives of 77 podcasts and pulled out all of our audio interviews. If you're a subscriber to our channel on Apple Podcasts, then you can pick up a brand new podcast, which is called Geico Presents Interviews. And for each week... So through the next nine months, you will be able to listen to one of the interviews that have been in a previous issue of this podcast uh, each week to your heart's content. So we've stripped out all of the other stuff that goes around it, all of the reviews and all of the fluff. And it is literally just each of our interviews, that's interviews by me, by Martin, by James uh, and other guys and the team as well, all just straight up there for you as a podcast to listen to so if you head over to apple podcasts and search for get your comic on and go to our channel there are five episodes already available which are some of the classic interviews which were already uh, out as separate podcasts and then there'll be a new episode each week there's one tomorrow which is tuesday the 20th of september and then each week after that they'll roll out every single monday through i think the last one at the moment is june the 19th but we'll have some more interviews coming up and that's just the first of many, many plans that we have coming up to help celebrate the 10-year anniversary. But we thought that before we look forwards, we'd look back. So uh, dive back into the archives and listen to some classic moments, like when Boy Wonder tried to have a conversation with Matt Ryan, who had a fight going on outside, or the time I tried to interview Jason O'Mara, who was the voice of Batman in Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, and it was my first ever interview. You can also catch it at James's amazing interview with Beast producer Will Packer, who teased him for it being his first on camera. There are plenty of classic Geico moments for you to uh, pick and choose to listen from as we release each of those, so make sure to go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to Geico Presents Interviews. You will also be able to get your hands on them on our YouTube channel as well. We aren't putting them on other podcast platforms at the moment, but they will be on YouTube as well as Apple Podcasts. So without further ado, let's dive into some actual, proper, much more exciting headlines. First up this week is some news which has been kind of rumbling in terms of gossip for a little while which i've kind of written off as just fan longing maybe is the right word for it but now it seems like this is actually happening so this is the news that hbo max has uh cancelled plans for a standalone constantine series and plans in the justice league dark world and they have done that in order to actually move forwards with a sequel to 2005's Constantine film, directed by Francis Lawrence and starring Keanu Reeves. It would appear that both Reeves and Lawrence are actively now in pre-production or development on a, a sequel, which will, um, by the sounds of it, be coming to cinemas at some point in the near future. Now, Boy Wonder is a big fan of 2005's Constantine films, and obviously, as any listener to this podcast will know, a huge fan of the character of Constantine in all his different mediums. So how do you feel about this little announcement? Uh, I loved it. You And you weren't really aware of Constantine as a comic book character at that point, right, when the film came out? No, I wasn't, actually. 
No, that's I mean that's fair enough. I'm sure it was the first time a lot of people had heard of him. How do you? I mean, it, one thing that really interests me. So I hadn't read any Constantine when this film came out, but I knew who he was, and I was old enough to be aware of the kind of controversy around the fact that Keanu Reeves was not blonde, not playing a scouser. Uh, so you know, I, so there was a lot of like, well, this just isn't Constantine because he's not playing him as he is written in the comics. Um, so how do you now feel, sort of looking back at the inaccuracies and in, kind of the history of the character. I don't really think of it as a Constantine film. No? Okay. I think it's a good film. Yep. With a man called Constantine. <laughs> okay, so you don't really think of it as John Constantine. No, but then I, it was always a weird film for me anyway because it was never a film that I would ever actually have chosen to see because I don't really do horror. No, and it is quite... I mean, they did lean into some of the horror of it quite well. Uh I always forget that it obviously co-starred. Um, I was about to call her Kate Winslet. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf is in it, yes, and also Tilda Swinton. Um, but no, I mean the lady from the Mummy. Oh yeah, so it is. Playing the twins, because she plays both herself and her sister, right? Yeah, I didn't realize it was the girl from the Mummy. Uh, yeah, Rachel Weiss. I had to think about it for a minute there, but I've I've got her. It's Rachel Weiss. Um, I, I do you know I don't think I saw it at the cinema. Interestingly, I did, which again, this is a very bizarre experience for me because it was a scary film, and I remember watching the show and thinking, "My God, this is a scary film." But I, I was st- I was still in school. Yes, you were still in school. Yes, thank you. I was in second year of uni. Oh no, I was still in school. I remember going to see it in my school uniform after school. Was it not an eighteen? Can't have been if you got in, in school yeah, uniform. We got in, I think, yeah. Well, obviously we got in, I saw it. I was going to say. Yeah. And I remember feeling slightly terrified, but also thinking, oh, actually, I really enjoyed this. Hmm. I, well, it's a film that we go back to quite a lot and watch quite often. It's amazing to think that they're only really now just getting to a sequel 17 years later. Oh, 17 years. Yeah, try not to think about that just too much. Well, I'm not as old as you, thankfully. <laughs> Thanks. So, I mean, I can't even get my head around what you would do with a sequel. No, I mean, it's such, I mean, well, he would just be Keanu Reeves, won't he? Well, presumably, he will just be Keanu Reeves, yes. Because, um, I mean, all the major characters were in there to begin with. So I don't, I can't think of any sort of particular, like, headline story that you would go for. I mean, I, perhaps Shia LaBeouf won't return as Chaz. Well, he died, eh? Well, I suppose he came back as an angel. Spoiler. Yeah. That took me a long time to find it was an end credit scene. Oh, really? Yeah, a good few years. Um, so I was I couldn't remember who Tilda Swinton was, but of course she's the Angel Gabriel. You had Gavin well, Rossdale as Balthazar. And then credit scene wasn't a thing in those days. Jijimon Hunsu was uh, was Midnight. Oh, he was yeah, so Rachel Midnight. Weiss was both Angela Dodson and Isabel Dodson. Peter Stormare as uh, Satan. He was a good Satan as well. Mm, that was a really good cast. It was an absolutely brilliant cast. Uh, I would just be really intrigued to see what. 17 years later they think is the the right way about going to do a sequel i wonder if it's now appearing on the when you look at so director francis lawrence and i was just saying this to you before we recorded was the director on uh basically the hunger games catching fire through the final one he directed the the three that capped off the quadrology he also directed i am legend when you go to his imdb he's known for catching fire i am legend constantine and mocking jay um I was just wondering whether it's listed under his filmography now as a upcoming project. Um, Constantine 2, it is listed under his um, his upcoming projects, along with Untitled Constantine sequel. He's also working on a TV movie called Gotham. Revolves around a female cop who discovers a magical world that exists within New York City that is unseen by normal humans and reinvents popular landmarks in a magical otherworldly manner. Sounds interesting. Mm. Uh, it's confusing because obviously it's called Gotham and we're talking about a DC property and if you go on IMDB the image that goes with it is a picture from um, from actual Gotham City this TV pilot was filmed for ABC when which decided not to pick it up it has never aired oh is this from years ago? is this 2022? interesting doesn't say if it has any relation to DC or not anyway I'm getting sidetracked anything that you would like to see a Constantine sequel pick up? I don't know because he's just so not constant because he's not British, he's not blonde. Yeah. But I mean, I just I did like the the supernatural horror element of it. I mean, they could do whatever they want, really, couldn't they? 
either they pick it up from the first one, they bring back what's her face from the mummy? Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Uh, Evie. Evie, yeah. Uh, Black Widow's mum. Black... Well, adoptive. <gasps> is it? So it is. <laughs> Have we just had one of those moments where you put two and two together? Where? And you are aware that her Russian dad is the man from Stranger Things. Oh, I knew that. God. And her sister is in Don't Worry Darling that we're going to see tomorrow. Oh. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, don't have to mind. Whatever they want to do. As long as mm. we don't try and take them like, back to England or anything, because that would just be weird. It would be weird if they now try to... If they, I really don't think Keanu Reeves would ever go blonde. Um, or British. <laughs> Hello. I just don't see them trying to retool it now to be more akin to the comic book. But, it re- I mean, it is an absolute cult classic, so... Could you do a British accent? Hello, I'm Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, I don't think it would sound like that, anyway. Oh, mate, do. There's been no official word on it from Warner Brothers or DC, and I don't even think Keanu Reeves has commented on it, but it has appeared in many of the Hollywood uh, trades, which is why I, I deemed it to be... Um, I don't know why, but Boy Wonder is currently waving a picture of Jessica Fletcher at me. Um, I thought it was credible enough that we could cover it on here and just have a, have a chat about it. So we're going to watch that one very, very closely. I look forward to it either being debunked or there being an official announcement. I wouldn't be surprised either way if it was debunked or if it was to be true so we to be sure uh, so we'll just follow that one as on how it develops next on my list is just a quick piece of news you, do you right okay why are you waving jessica fletcher at me do you see something suspicious i'm just seeing if i can distract you right thank you very much uh, so <laughs> next on news is uh, something that came out of disney's d23 conference which happened um, a week or so ago and that was uh, final confirmation that Charlie Cox's Daredevil series, which we know is called Daredevil Born Again, it's, uh, it's going into production next year and will be on Disney Plus kind of late 2023, early 2024. And I think it's 18 episodes. Firstly, will not be adapting the Born Again comic book, which is quite disappointing considering they're using the name, but is also not a fourth season. It will be an MCU-based reboot of Daredevil. And that eye roll that you just did there boy wonder is why i wanted to discuss this uh so we and we already knew that this series is going to be written by a different group of people and would obviously be produced from within the marvel studios tranche rather than being made by the now defunct marvel tv but how do you f- and i know we haven't seen season three which is sacrilegious we will go back and watch it uh, but how do you feel about the idea that it's now an mcu controlled reboot rather than continuing it's going to be so we know that obviously Charlie Cox is back. We know that Vincent D'Onofrio is back because we saw the you know we saw him in Hawkeye, and um, both of them will be in the upcoming uh, Echo series, which is the one based on the villain from Hawkeye. Uh, but there are rumours that both uh, Foggy and Karen will be back as well with the same actors. Uh, so Eldon Hansen um, will is the latest one to be rumoured to return. But what what do you think? I'm slightly nervous of them MCUing him. Yeah, I mean, I just... Why would they do it? I mean, it was good. Just continue. Mm, yeah. It seems like a bit of a slap in the face to the, the whole team. It's funny, isn't it? Because it basically gives them carte blanche to... Depending on... We obviously know that he's established because we saw him in No Way Home and he was prolific enough to be Peter Parker's lawyer in that scenario. And we know that he is obviously already Daredevil because he's about to show up I think this week in She-Hulk, based on um, clues from the last episode that you've not seen yet. Um, so we know he's established. So it gives Marvel Studios, at this point, carte blanche to say, well, we'll keep the cast. We'll keep maybe that this happened and this happened in the past. Uh, everything else that we didn't like from that, we can get rid of. Mm-hmm. Same for if they are to keep Jessica Jones and Luke Cage plenty of rumours saying that both of them will return and uh, Rosario Dawson, you know, the nurse that went across all those shows uh, potentially will also be returning as well going to say it's probably safe to assume that Iron Fist will not be back given the sort of retooling of that character in the comics Um, but it does cheekily give them the opportunity to use what they want and discard what they don't want from that this is why I don't read Marvel comics. It, and actually, Daredevil in Marvel comics at the moment is one of their best series, and it's it's a strange one because it's so it ran for a number of issues, a, a healthy number of issues, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, who's also currently writing Batman for DC, and then they did a big event which was centered around Daredevil, 
and were called Devil's Reign. And the, his Daredevil series kind of came to an end numbering-wise when they went into the event and then started again after the event. So we're back to issue three, but it's the same creative team. And it was the same team that went through his original solo run into the event, into this new solo run. So it's kind of all one and it does all follow on, but for some reason they renumbered. And I don't really know why. It's very confusing. So technically I'm on my second round of Daredevil for the last kind of two to three years, but it's the same team and it's the same continuity and it's the same story. (laughs) Anyway, uh, for me, the thing that I'm disappointed about is the fact that it's called Born Again, but it's not adapting the Daredevil Born Again comics. And Charlie Cox said that specifically at D23. He said, we're using the name because this is in a sense a kind of rebirth of the character into the MCU but they're not using the Born Again um, storyline, which is really sad because that's one of his best in the comics. And also is when he was wearing the red and yellow, which he is wearing in She-Hulk. So it kind of almost ties up that they'd be in the right place to do it. You know, when I read Born Again, I read Born Again while sitting in a laundrette in Lee when our washing machine was broken. (laughs) Just a random memory for you there. There you go. Um, I know you haven't read it. It's a it's a very good Daredevil storyline, which is kind of about the death and rebirth of Daredevil as well. So it sort of it does fit, but it's quite dark and quite heavy. So I guess maybe for Disney Plus and the MCU, it's maybe a bit too much. So I um, I can't even tell you without picking up my phone to to look on IMDb who the writers are of the new show. I think they are quite well established writers in Hollywood, but. I, at this point, I'm a little bit concerned that he'll be a very fun Daredevil and not uh, kind of slightly more mature Daredevil. Watch this space. They're going into production in early 2023. So, I guess... Yeah, it'll be a long while yet, but we'll get to see more as the year rolls on. And uh, last piece of media-related news uh, is uh, a trailer which came out from Star Trek Day a couple of weeks ago for Season 3 of Star Trek Picard. This was our first chance to see footage from the upcoming third and final season and confirmation that it will begin airing on Paramount Plus in the US from February the 16th, 2023, which means we will probably get it here in the UK from the following day, so February the 17th uh, on Prime because it is still a Prime exclusive in the UK. So I'm going to presume, much like they're doing with Lower Decks at the moment, they will air it the the day after it airs in the US. This trailer was our first chance to see the full cast of Star Trek The Next Generation returning, although actually I say full, Brent Spiner isn't in the trailer. They're still hiding who Brent Spiner is playing because clearly he's not Data because Data's dead. Um, And we've gone back to the future, so he can't be Adam Sung, who he played in season two. So we'll have to wait and see who he's playing. But we got new looks at everyone. So the trailer kicks off with Gates McFadden returning as Beverly Crusher. There's shots of uh, LeVar Burton as Geordie LaForge. Michael Dawn as Worf. We get plenty of Jonathan Frakes as Riker. Marina Sirtis as Troy. They're all in there. uh, And it's very exciting. What did you think of this boy wonder? Very exciting. Do you think it'll be lore? Will they get a lore? I can't remember where... I think they deactivated and taken lore apart. Oh, wasn't... Who did we see in the first season of Picard when he went to uh, the Daystrom Institute? Who was in a draw? Was that not the random one from... That was B4, right? B4. Okay, so that was B4 from Nemesis. So I I really ashamedly, for someone who's watched Next Generation at least once a year in their entire life, can't remember where Law really ends up. I've got a feeling he was just deactivated, taken apart, and left in a way that he couldn't cause trouble. Mm. But he could. the board. So you see him with the Borg in season six. That's the cliffhanger at the end of season six into season seven, I think, um, when he takes over the Borg. And I think they dismantle him. I've got a feeling there's just a throwaway comment that he's dismantled and put away for safekeeping. So there's nothing to say that someone hasn't put him back together again. There is a female villain who we've not seen, who is not an established character, but is being played by a familiar face. Is all they'll say about who's going to be the villain. Not again, is it? No, 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 they're, they're gone. Oh, good. So it's not an established character. So it's a new character, but a face that we recognise. So. Could be anything. Maybe that's how um, the Denise Crosby, and they said the actress who played Tasha Yar, I had to think of a name. Uh, so we know that Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar, is back this season. Maybe she's playing another Romulan child of Tasha Yar, or... Um, 
they've not said they've just said it is it is a familiar face but not a familiar character uh, there was some talk about this trailer having some ferengi like ships but they've debunked that so uh there i haven't told you yet but there's the ship that you see at the beginning of the trailer after you see crusher is a federation ship sorry was a federation ship and is the ship that crusher is on crusher is not part of the federation at this point which mm-hmm. is confirmed so i don't know what she's doing she's gone rogue maybe she's part of the maquis well they all died did they all die yeah they're all wiped out dear that's sad um it's that episode in voyager where they talk about them all being wiped out it is also worth noting that it has now been confirmed that the entire cast will be appearing at the Star Trek Universe panel at New York Comic Con in just a couple of weeks. So, fingers crossed we were able to get into that panel and we're able to uh, watch and see them all together. Uh, but back to the trailer. Appetite whetted for Season 3? I'm suitably moist. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and do you so some of the some of the chatter on social media is that it just feels very very forced to bring them all back together and that the that for some reason in the ether this is the show they always wanted to make but it's taken them two seasons to make it um does it feel well i suppose you don't know enough about the story do, do you feel like they're just chucking the cast of next generation back together for the sake of it or well i mean everybody else seems to be doing it so why not <laughs> i think we know very very much so that um i nearly called him i nearly called him john luke picard that Patrick Stewart has been the driving force behind the show. You know, they had to pitch it to him to get him on board. And that he really wanted to steer the story of it. So clearly, he felt there were important Picard stories to tell before they did this. And they keep pointing out that this isn't just a case of, in episode one, we get the band back together. And they're all together throughout the whole season. I think, you know, people are dipping in and out. I don't know that there's going to be more than maybe one or two scenes, that, ha- if there's any at all, that even have them all together. There must be at least one scene with them all together on a bridge. You would hope so. There, uh, There's plenty of talk around the fact that they've made some comments about being on the Enterprise and that some of those comments seem like they might go back to a version of the Enterprise D or that there might be an Enterprise F. We just don't quite know. You certainly don't see it in the trailer. You only really get to see the Titan. Uh, um, can I guess what your favourite moment in the trailer is? Go for it. Seven of Nine? Commander Seven of Nine oh, of the USS Titan? Commander Annika. That's Annika, not... Oh, no, Annika, yeah. Yeah. Not challenge Annika. Yeah. Um, They have said that there is a captain, so she is definitely not the captain. She's the commander. She... uh, They likened it to um, the the Romulan in Wrath of... Romulan? The Vulcan in Wrath of Khan, Savik, uh, who gets to uh, pilot the ship out of space dock. They're saying that that's kind of what they're reflecting in that moment in the trailer, in that... Uh, it's Commander Seven who is going to navigate the Titan out of space block, but there is a captain. They won't show us the captain yet, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Don't know who the captain's going to be. Again, I don't think they said it was... They didn't necessarily say it was anyone we know. They didn't say that it wasn't, that I can recall. But there's some talk about the fact that the commander, uh, the captain sorry, of the Titan is going to be quite a central focus for part of the, the series as well. Maybe it's somebody from Voyager. could be um they have said that there are legacy characters not from the next generation who'll be in it so it could be anyone could be ensign kim (laughs) captain kim um so certainly this trailer seems to be leading us down a very specific path in terms of the storyline for the show it seems like crusher is in trouble she's clearly doing something she you see those masked kind of terrorists raise their weapons presumably towards her in the first shot of the trailer she's raising a phaser rifle back at them and then you see picard with his classic oval style tng com badge not the the movie version and her voiceover says this is a message for admiral jean-luc picard so clearly it seems like we're saying that he has to go off on some kind of mission which does bring some of the gang back together that's to do with rescuing or saving or getting revenge for if she happens to die but i don't think she does uh dr crusher mm. we'll have to wait until february yes but if you actually would like to get some deeper thoughts on the trailer then i did do quite a lengthy post for it up on the website um if you go on there and search for star trek picard then it's the top result at the moment i went in depth using some of the screenshots on the trailer to pick out what i think are some of the most pivotal moments so obviously i've got uh what happens to Crusher in there? There seems to be an attack on Starfleet. We get to see what appears to be a terrorist attack on a Starfleet building. I wondered before they confirmed that she wasn't part of Starfleet anymore whether that was some sort of attack on Starfleet Medical. 
Uh, seems like someone has a vendetta against Starfleet. We see that Picard meets with Riker in some sort of underground bar and suggests that they need a ship, so it seems to be off the books. At Star Trek Day, they mention that Raffi's going to be exploring the criminal underbelly of life in the 25th century, so she's clearly got something to do with it and what's going on. We don't really get much context for what everyone's doing. We see Geordie in uniform. Worf appears to be on what looks like a Klingon ship with someone draped over his shoulder as if he's in battle. We see one brief shot of Troy not in uniform but with a comm badge and she looks like she's maybe in a counselling session so perhaps she's gone back to work after living on uh, Nepenthe. Nee, well done me for remembering that without googling it. The planet that we saw her on last in episode 7 of season 1 of Picard and then we just it rattles on through uh, seeing the Titan leaving space dock and getting to see what Seven's up to. So if you want to catch my thoughts, just head over to the website, getyourcomicon.co.uk. And if you'd like to let us know what you thought of the trailer, then we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on all social media platforms at Get Your Comic Con. Or if you want to find me, I'm at Neil Vag, which is at N-E-I-L-V-A-G-G. Before we get down to our reviews, that leaves me just a couple of seconds to tell you about the latest of DC's big giveaways. So if you've been listening to this podcast regularly, you'll know that we've also given away a trip to LA for four people to celebrate the release of DC Super Pets, and most recently a uh, a night cooking with the executive chef at London's Park Row restaurant. Well now, the latest of the DC uh, giveaways is available if you head to our social media channels uh, you will find the and i'll put it in the in the tweet and everything that goes with this podcast you will find the link to click to enter this latest giveaway and this time around you get the chance to go backstage into the warner brothers archive it will be opening its doors to one lucky fan and a guest and it's what they are referring to as a money can't buy opportunity to spend time with some of the dc's most iconic memorabilia the archive plays host to many of the vehicles weapons costumes and storyboards that you'll recognize from across dc film and tv and this is your chance to get backstage with it i want to win but i can't <laughs> i just want to go into the archive please that'd be exciting to do that i i would never leave i yeah. would go i would move in and i would live there all you have to do is uh just click the competition link which is in our social media posts and put in your details there isn't a uh, a question or anything like that you just put your details in and that gives you a chance to win this money can't buy opportunity from dc and warner brothers so best of luck to everyone who enters it is open to uk residents only i might point out this is the dc's big uk giveaway which is really nice that they're doing something specific for the uk audience All of which leads me to the first of this week's reviews, which is something that I've only watched about five minutes of. So it's over to you, Boy Wonder, because I want to hear how you feel about House of the Dragon. We touched on it a little bit last episode when we were talking about the Rings of Power. But now I would like to hear more about how you feel about the return to Westeros and the realm of the dragons. Um, hmm. So you said last podcast that you were definitely preferring uh, the Rings of Power? I think so. It's been... I mean, it's a Game of Thrones show. It's it's got everything you'd want from a Game of Thrones show. You've got some politics, you've got some talking, you've got some dragons, you've got some fighting, you've got some gore, you've got some boobs. (laughs) Okay, so I... And I think I said this last episode. I tapped out after the first episode. It was way too much like Game of Thrones to me. Uh, which I realise some people would find very offensive. But it just is not for me. I like when they fight. I don't like when they talk. They talk too much. And that first episode was all talk. But apart from the jousting scene. That was alright. There was a lot of there was a lot of talk. It's very politics heavy. But then it mm. is the politics of the targaryens yeah so it's obviously very much more focused than game of thrones because game of thrones you were dotting around to different landscapes catching up with different families and it was different agendas that all kind of overlapped in the the game of the throne as it were whereas now you are with the house of the dragon 24 7 so how 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 is that being so sharply focused on just one family i suppose it's it's the reflector of the narrative isn't it if you look at the game of thrones books yeah the narrative changes every chapter yeah whereas this is what it is instead of the narrative changing you're getting a time jump every episode oh really how much is it so you've seen four episodes yes and um how much has it jumped through the four episodes so you've not got the adult cast yet not yet i think it's only jumped by a few years okay 
So, so there was a very bloody birth death scene was the last thing I saw. Yep. So how old is that child now? Well, that child died. Oh, okay. Oh, God, okay. Yeah. So since then, he's got a new wife. He's got some new kids, and they're sort of two or three years old. Okay, so yeah, it has moved, so kind of a few, maybe five, six years. Yeah, interesting. And so we know that the cast is about to shift again. I think in this latest episode that's airing tonight, as we're recording this, I think this might be the first one that has the adult cast in it. Maybe yeah, I've not seen it yet. Though. Or maybe during this episode they're going to change over. I would imagine they wouldn't just do it between episodes. I feel like they might do some sort of a handoff somewhere. They've not really done it before, but maybe oh, okay. Yeah, someone's just like, oh, they're old. It feels strange to do it at this point. I mean, you've got a great cast coming in, particularly Olivia Cook, who um, was uh, the female lead in um, Ready Player One. But you will remember her more from Bates Motel. She was the girlfriend mm. from Bates Motel. Uh, she's uh, she's brilliant. She's done such amazing stuff since Bates Motel really gave her a platform. And so she's the she's the brunette as an adult. Okay. Um, I, I'm afraid I don't know the name of the actress who's taking over the blonde, but people are very excited for her to come in, uh, the Targaryen. But people seem to be very attached to the kid cast that are in it at the moment. I mean, they're a very strong cast. They're very good. It's going to be a shame to lose them, as it were. Yeah, but then I suppose it's... It is what it is, really. I mean, he has finished his book series, so we, at least we know how it ends, definitively. And is, this is a book, isn't it? There is a book that is this. Yes, no, he, he wrote that book. He's not finished the current series, but he managed to... Write this. Write this one. Yeah. Okay, have you read this one? No. No, I haven't. I, I was put off slightly because I, I thought it was just going to be like a history book. Okay. But actually... Like the Silmarillion. Yeah. Okay. I'll go back and read it, actually. Hmm. Okay, sorry. I'm, I realise I'm talking too much about something I know nothing about. So tell tell me what you're enjoying well, about it so far. Sounds pretty typical to me. <laughs> Thanks. Well, what was the question? <laughs> I thought I was talking too much. Uh, what, oh, so what are you enjoying about it so far? So I enjoy the dragons. <laughs> yep. I enjoy the fighting. VFX on the dragons, as good as, better than it was in Game of Thrones? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty good. Different styles of dragons, because there's more of them. Mm-hmm. More eggs. Lots How many dragons, dragons are there at the moment? quite a lot of dragons. Okay. Because we're still in the age of dragons. In the age of the dragons. We're in the house of the dragon. Yep. So there's like three or four kicking around at the minute. And is this... Location-wise, is this set where their throne, like family throne, was that Danny found towards the end of Game of Thrones, or is this in? Um, oh, what was it? What are you doing? I don't know. What am I doing? You just. Oh. So it is set in King's Landing. King's Landing. Okay. Yeah, that is where the throne is. Yeah, but where where was the? Remember, she went and found her family ancestral land towards the end of Game of Thrones. Ancestral land. Yeah, when she finally came to Westeros, there was like she went to the Targaryen house. What Dragonstone? Uh, okay, there we go. Thank you. Well, it's not um, their ancestral land. It's just their their castle. Is that a, is that a location in the show as well? Or yeah. <laughs> don't talk to me like I'm <laughs> stupid. I don't watch it. Well, I'm just asking what you're asking me. I'm like, well, well, no. What I was going to ask you was because obviously we've had a couple of years since the end of Game of Thrones before now. So have they been able to recreate some of the sets and landscapes that? are from both shows have they done it justice or does it feel like we're saying that this is king's landing but it doesn't look like it no it does but i mean it's slightly different because it's you know i guess they get because it's earlier on yeah they get to have some creative license because it's a different time period so you recognize it you see it but the interiors are recognizable but slightly different at the same time Mm. anything about it that you've not quite gelled with yet i think so the latest episode that I watched was very, so it's like a slightly tough one to watch. A lot of incest. Okay. Then that's the Targaryens. So yeah. And I've seen a lot of chat on the old, old interwebs about it. Um. Yeah. I, um. So again, I'm sort of just ignoring it to be honest because I'm not watching it. So what are people saying? It was just it was a very sex-heavy episode, like very, very, okay. a lot. Okay. Um, and it was just it was, it was done very well, but I think it was just a lot to to sort of watch and think. Oh my god, that's that's a lot. But I was reading. I read an interview with um, the girl. I can't remember her name. Renera. Renera. She was saying that they didn't tell her what because they went to the brothel scene. So her and Doctor Who went took her to the brothel. Matt Smith. Matt Smith. <laughs> uh, the Doctor. 
but they didn't tell them what they were going to see when they got into it. So they had like true reactions. And she just said there were like hundreds of extras naked, like doing like proper intimate sex scenes. Uh, internet sex scenes? Intimate. Oh, sex intimate. Scenes. I said internet. If you repeat your phone down and listen. God. Yeah. I'm just doing a you. Then you know what it's like to be me recording this podcast. That's okay. You, I, the last thing I saw about it was people um, reacting quite badly to what they saw as the king uh, being paired off with a 12 year old girl. Yeah, there's a lot of that as well. But then in theory, that's just Game of Thrones, really. I mean, they're always a weird age gap. Mm, yeah. But I mean, that was really, really evident because the girl was like six and he was an old man. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually thought of another question I wanted to ask you. Um, so this is um, Ramon Gerardi's return to do the score for this, who did the absolutely amazing score to all of Game of Thrones. But they have chosen to keep the Game of Thrones theme tune. Now, I personally can see why you would do that because if you're flicking around channels you'll be like oh, game of thrones um but i feel like it's a different show so it should have a different theme it's kind of like how even though i grew up watching the next generation and i understood that that theme tune was from star trek the motion picture when i watched star trek the motion picture i feel bad for the next generation that it got a second-hand theme tune thoughts yeah it's a bit it's a bit of a shame really could have done something or changed it a little bit and is the is the music in the show like actually in the episodes itself? Is it different, or are they reusing music from Game of Thrones? Not, I don't say reusing as in they've just used old tracks and said that he's still composing. Is he like reusing familiar cues from from what was heard in Game of Thrones? Yes, I think if you're asking if it's the same musical language, mm-hmm. I believe it is. Yeah. Yes. So there are kind of Targaryen themes, I guess. Um, there wasn't really any like there wasn't like a. I suppose there are Targaryen themes from Game of Thrones, but I've not heard any of them in the in the new show. Okay, I'll probably listen to the soundtrack. It's always it's always a good one to fall asleep to. Bit of Game of Thrones, and I go see it live in concert as well because that was stunning the last time. Mm, that was really good. That's the thing I enjoy most about this kind of franchise is I enjoy the music more than I enjoy anything else. I just it's I I could go on about it till the cows come home. I just don't know what it is. When they start talking, I just really zone out. I just need more from it than just talking it's my throne no it's my throne I mean, no it's my throne it's essentially what it is <laughs> well as long as you enjoy it that's the main thing so you would recommend it to the lovely listeners at home if they've not watched it so far oh, i think so i mean go go for it if you like it you like it if you don't you don't one of my things when i watched that first one was i felt like it was and i, I can hardly judge because i've not seen the rest but based on what i saw of that first episode it felt to me like if you weren't a game of thrones fan you weren't going to get into this and that it was really just more for game of thrones fans to have more game of thrones would you agree with that or do you having seen more think it could be easily accessible to someone who's not a game of thrones fan i think you probably want to be a game of thrones fan to get into it but you might get something from it i mean if you like boobs and dragons yeah (laughs) boobs and dragons so house of the dragon airs new episodes uh sundays in the u.s on hbo max and i presume also hbo here in the uk you can catch episodes on mondays they do simulcast i think at something like two o'clock in the morning uh or you can catch it on a monday evening on uh, sky atlantic and also streaming on now tv speaking of streaming tv that leads us to our final topic for this episode which is the latest star wars series coming to disney plus on september the 21st and that is is the Rogue One spin-off Star Wars Andor starring Diego Luna as Cassian Andor who you will remember as the mercenary who rescues Jyn Erso and happens to end up with the plans to the Death Star and dies at the end of that film spoiler alert we are going back in time to find out how he became the hero that he is in the film Rogue One this series was originally envisioned to last five seasons uh, but they have shortened it to two seasons of 12 episodes which is going to cover basically includes some of his childhood in terms of flashbacks and will catch us up to date to where we meet him at the beginning of uh, the Rogue One film. So we have been lucky enough to watch the first four episodes of Andor so we've seen the three episode premiere which comes to Disney Plus on the 21st of September and also the episode that will be airing on the 28th uh, I've put my reaction out on social media already. I thought this was brilliant. I think it is one of the finest Star Wars shows we've seen. This is where I feel like Star Wars should be going in terms of direction. I would like to know your thoughts on episodes one to four. We're going to try and keep this spoiler light. So as we're posting this podcast, 
the embargo has just lifted so you have not had a chance to watch this yet so we're just going to give you our kind of thoughts on what we've seen we won't spoil this one particularly heavily we will circle back and talk about it properly once it's out in the world and we can talk about it and you've seen it and i don't want to ruin the journey for you boy wonder spoiler free thoughts on Andor episodes one to four once you've removed the hair from your mouth oh bloody cats i really liked it hmm me too very pleasantly surprised very very pleasantly surprised i think people are going to underestimate this program and i feel like that's why there's even more of a push with this than there are with other star wars shows i mean i just really enjoyed it i mean i do like rogue one it's probably one of my favorite star wars films and i've not i mean i'm quite vocal about this i mean i don't really like a lot of things to be honest with you (laughs) Uh, and i really didn't like what was it boba fett Mm -hmm. and nando mandalorian this is really harsh because both of these shows have their fans but the way i explain it is i feel like it's called the meh delorean and boba shite i wouldn't go that far i'm not that mean i'm not you <laughs> but they just weren't for me it's how you feel about game of thrones you put it on i'd think what are they doing mm. just talking they're not doing anything i'm bored i know how this story is i feel like the mandalorian started out very well i enjoyed the first season of it and i think the introduction of of grogu the the baby yoda was was interesting and is nostalgic without being too heavily nostalgic but i feel like there's a formula to the mandalorian which i find is very repetitive and that's what's bothered me through the second season i feel like it's leave planet travel have issue land on planet have fight leave planet repeat with a lot of tatooine in between and then you obviously had the episode in season two of the mandalorian which was dedicated to boba fett which was kind of the precursor to the boba fett show And then you have the Boba Fett show, which doesn't really have a huge story to tell. And the thing that people talk about the most from the Boba Fett show is where they do the reverse and have an episode that Boba Fett isn't in that's all about the Mandalorian. So almost like they took an episode from each and swapped them over. And that seems like the thing that people were excited about most with Boba Fett, which we then didn't finish. And then you had Obi-Wan, which both of us really liked. But I feel like Obi-Wan is a different kind of successful Star Wars story than this. I think Obi-Wan is pure fan service but done well enough that it pays it off whereas this is so tangentially connected to star wars that it is almost its own thing in the star wars universe which is really what it needs mm. yeah because you're not having to rely on we must link it to a skywalker mm, which even i feel like the mandalorian does in some ways because you've got the boba fett the boba fett you've got the you've got the baby yoda and you've got the ashoka and you've got the different links to the the jedi and also there is a lot of empire in there as well whereas this it feels to me like and this isn't a spoiler i feel like at the beginning he almost isn't aware of the empire they're clearly living in an age where the empire is prosperous more than anything else um so you know they don't you know they're not a rich family they don't live in a an amazing shining glistening wonderful city it's very much like a working class background in a universe that has this empire looming but i don't feel like andor like cassian andor is overly aware of it i feel like we're about to watch him become aware of it and that's how he falls into becoming who he is later on a freedom fighter yeah a rebel yeah i don't i don't feel like he's aware of all of that stuff yet i feel like that's all way on a periphery do you agree Mm, he's not there yet but then again it's that it's completely standalone. It's within the world of Star Wars, but it's not Star Wars in your face. Yeah, at all. I mean, there are barely even that many references. Uh, funny joke. Um, Grace <laughs> Rand- Grace Randolph, a joke in herself, uh, has scathingly reviewed this show, saying that they've made her job so hard because she doesn't have Easter eggs to talk about. And she said they've completely lost the plot because there are no Easter eggs and this show just stands on its own. It's like, yes. This show is excellent because it stands on its own. We don't need to rely on, oh, look who that is. Look who that is. Look what that is. Uh, There's barely even the one spoiler I will give you. The only reference that I picked up on that was really in your face was a mention of Scarif, which comes in episode four, which I was like, oh, we're Rogue One adjacent. Uh, It's so not connected. But at the same time, so is Star Wars. I agree. And I think that's why I like it so much. Mm. Uh, any favourite sort of aspects of it? Again, try and keep it spoiler light. Oh, I don't like it when you ask me these questions because I don't really know. I was like, oh yes, I'm good. 
Actually, I might just say it's all good. Elect of it in space. <laughs> Well, there's not a lot that's in space, actually, in the uh, first four episodes. Depends what you mean by space. The planet they're on's in space. That's very true, yeah. Uh, cast is excellent, I think. Again, it's not also stacked with famous faces, which is something that Star Wars will often do. So there are plenty of familiar faces and voices in there, but I think it's a really solid cast that's not... There's no stunt casting in here. No. You have, there was no point where you turned to me and you were like, Ooh, look who it is! Well, the man from Mamma Mia. The man from yes, uh, Eric from the Avengers. Well, the man from Mamma Mia. Stellan Skarsgård is his name. Of the Skarsgård clan, you've also got uh, Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma, who was uh, in Rogue One and has been in some of the prequel media as Mon Mothma, the character from Return of the Jedi. Alex Ferns, who is the Scottish guy. Um, there's quite a few Scottish people in this, who you would know as Trevor from EastEnders. Oh yeah, big Trev. Big Trev. Uh, and Adria Arjona, who, um, when I looked her up, unfortunately, the first thing I said to you was, oh, she was the female lead in Morbius. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's also known for Six Underground and uh, Emily in the 2015 season of True Detective. She's a very familiar face when you when you see her. But brilliant, brilliant cast. And we have a new um, droid as well, B2 Emo. Yeah, there's always a new droid, isn't there? That's probably the only kind of kitschy thing about it, I think, is the droid. But it's not a clone of any of the other droids, which is quite nice. You know how BB-8 was obviously very different to R2-D2, and R2-D2 is very different to C-3PO. And we've seen multiple versions of kind of C-3PO's and R2-D2's over the years. This is a completely different design again, which is quite nice, I feel. Um, Shame it's not Alan Tudyk returning as uh, the robot from Rogue One. Maybe he will appear later on. Still time. Yep. Maybe that's someone that he meets further down the line. Uh, I'm conscious that I feel like I'm getting close to spoilers. Storyline-wise, how do you feel like the storyline is developing? It's quite a slow burn, particularly in the first two episodes. Yeah, first couple were a bit like, ooh, I'm not sure about this. But mm-hmm. then it picks up and like, okay, you've got me. So it's a 12-episode season, so there seems like we've got a lot of ground to cover and we've picked up pace pretty quickly. Mm, I just hope they maintain this pacing. Mm. Episode one was very, very much setting the scene. Which I appreciate because it gave us enough backstory to understand him and where he is. And then I do feel like it quite quickly went from we're going to tell you who he is to explaining the situation he's in to inciting incident to thrust through the rest of the season. And where he ends up in episode four is quite interesting as well. Yes, it is. I won't say any more, but I'm interested to see if this is the beginnings of, of him becoming the Cassian Andor that we know. I would hope so. It's a serious order, him. I wanted to touch on the look of the show as well. I said this to you as we were watching it, but I feel like it's one of the... No, I think it is the most cinematic-looking Star Wars show we've had. Yeah, it probably is. I feel like when you watch Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan is very big budget, but it's very digital and very smooth and very colourful. Mandalorian and Boba Fett, I feel, are, because they're all on Tatooine, feel very plain and very beige. And this, to me, looks like it's almost shot on 35mm. It's like it's beautiful. There is beautiful detailing, beautiful costumes. Everything looks amazing. And it looks like a very expensive show as well, I think. Mm, probably, yeah. VFX, were you happy with the kind of level of special effects that you saw? Nothing jumped out to me. There was no sort of Black Widow airplane moment. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, now, I do believe that they did... So, obviously, The Mandalorian uses... Um, the volume a lot the ar wall i believe this has some ar wall in it but they did as much as possible in a practical sense so it was shot mostly here in the uk i think at um pinewood which is the home of star wars from the original days so i think they did a lot of practical set building rather than relying on kind of vfx and and the the volume wall so i think there's more practical stuff going on in this series which is also really nice some wonderful landscapes as well oh beautiful I wonder where it shot some of its... Uh, do you know what? I keep looking on IMDb to look at stuff from it, and I can't because it doesn't exist yet because the show's not... <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that's not logged. I'd be really interested to know where they did a lot of their outdoor shooting because it's sort of... I'm going to go Celtic countryside because I couldn't tell you if it's Scottish, Irish, or Welsh, but there's some wonderful countryside stuff that's in episode four. Lots of hills and glens and... Yeah. The Roman and the Gloman. So I'm going to wrap this up before we start saying something that we will later regret and spoil. Uh... Would you recommend this to Rogue One fans? Yes. Would you recommend this to 
non-Rogue One Star Wars fans? Yes. <laughs> Would you recommend this to a non-Star Wars fan? Yes. Is there anyone you wouldn't recommend this to? The cats. Why the cats? That's uh, something to get it. Okay. Uh, I also completely recommend this show. I think it's brilliant. It almost feels not like a Disney Plus show. And I don't mean that to criticise other Disney Plus shows because... When you look at the MCU, there's a very specific style. When you look at the other Star Wars shows, there's a very specific style. This is neither of those things. This almost has the kind of weight and... It's the word I'm looking for. Gravitas. Thank you. That is the word I was looking for. It has it almost has the gravitas of a Game of Thrones or a you know, HBO cable drama. And I'm very, very, very impressed by that. And I am very excited to see where it goes next. So... Highly recommend. And that is all we have time for this episode. So thank you for joining us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. We will have seen Warner Brothers Don't Worry, Darling. What else we got coming up in the next couple of weeks? We're, we're rapidly heading towards Halloween and New York Comic Con. Since the last time we podcasted, some more of New York Comic Con has started to come together, but I am not going to spoil. We'll believe it when we see it. I'm also going to see a new Paramount film called Smile in the next couple of weeks, which is a horror just in time for Halloween. We will have that coming up, and I'm uh, making my way through even more Shutter films in time for Halloween as well. I'm also looking forward to uh, trying to catch something a little bit more YA-friendly for Halloween from Paramount+, Plus. but I'll have more details on that very, very soon. Uh, And I keep saying this every episode, but we need to bring back some comic book content to this podcast we have not talked about comic books for such a long time are you even up to date with your comics oh i'm probably not i think i'm really far behind that's terrible i know i just don't have the time that's terrible we're gonna have to sit you down to read a comic book go read a comic book now uh so until next time stay safe stay well and uh keep warm because it's getting cold outside now the heat wave has ended love it hoodie weather (laughs) so until next time bye